0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We're gonna dive right in. Incredible job worship team this morning. And uh, just I, some of my favorite songs, I just love singing about the resurrection of Jesus and all that he has done. So hey, we're in week three of a series That We've been calling follow and in this series what we've been doing as is we've been looking at the words of Jesus to his first disciples to come And follow him and not only have we looked at those words, but we've looked at what it meant to them And what it means to us today, which we've determined is the same thing when Jesus said to the disciples then And he says to us today follow him. It means the same thing. It means follow him and Luke chapter 14 we've used this as one of our key verses Luke chapter 14 verse 26 just kind of lays it out for us and it says anyone who wants to be a follower a disciple of Jesus must love me this is Jesus speaking must love me more than he does his own father his mother his wife his children his brothers or sisters yes more than his own life or he cannot be my disciple lays it out pretty straightforward doesn't it? if we want to be a follower of Jesus we have to give him everything, and that's what we've looked at in this series. Another one of our key verses is Ezra 7.10, and it's an Old Testament. Ezra is a book from the Old Testament, but it lays out pretty clearly what it means to be a disciple, a follower. Ezra 7.10 says, Ezra had set his heart. What's that mean? He would resolved, he would determined in his heart that he was going to study the law, the word of God, and he was going to do it. And he was going to teach it. And from this verse, we've really gotten our three weeks from this series. When we look at the first part, Ezra determined in his heart to study the law of Lord, the Lord. What we did in week one as we talked about if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have to spend time with him. You have to put him first, and we do that when we get in the Word and when we get in prayer. And last week, week two, we looked at this whole idea that disciples, that followers of Jesus, obey the Word of God. They do what the Word of God says. They do what it asks of us. And today, we're going to look at the third part of Ezra chapter 7, where it says, And Ezra taught the Word to others. And at the end of the day, this is what disciples are. And, and if you don't understand what a disciple is, write this down, put this in your heart. But at the end of the day, a disciple of Jesus knows the words of Jesus. They not only know the words, because a lot of us, we know, you know, John three sixteen says this. We might know what it says, but it also means they know what they mean. What do the words of God mean? We do them and we also teach them to others. What I want to do is I want to take you back to the first set of verses we looked at in this series, and I'm going to share these with you. I want to lay the groundwork for where we're going to go today today. They don't want to pray over you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. This is the first scriptures we looked at in this series. This is the call of Jesus to uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, that group. There was about four of them that he called here right at the beginning. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he noticed two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, one thing I want to do, one thing I want to say here is that the fishing industry at this time was prosperous. This was a lucrative business. So when these men dropped their nets and followed Jesus, it wasn't like some men who were penniless. They were business owners. They had their own careers, their own companies, and they left all of that to follow Jesus. In verse 19, and it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and the amplified version here kind of lays out what it means, as a disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walked, and we've looked at that from 1 John chapter 2, verse three and six the last couple of weeks. Disciples follow in the footsteps of Jesus. They walk where Jesus walked. They regulate their lives as Jesus regulates his life, and it says, and I will make you fishers of men, and I wanna strip this verse down with nothing else in it for just a moment, and I want to say this. When Jesus came, what he said to the disciples was, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But the key to this is verse 20, because I believe this is the same call that's gone to many of us. Hey, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. But notice verse 20, immediately. Everybody say that word with me. Say immediately. Say it again. Say immediately. Immediately. They left their nets and they followed Jesus becoming his disciples. Their immediate response is what we need to take note of. Their immediate response needs to serve as an example to us. Disciples of Jesus immediately follow in the footsteps of Jesus and we become fishers of men. That is what we do. Every follower of Jesus is called I want you to hear me every follower of Jesus is called to be a fisher of men every disciple of Jesus is called to make disciples this is not a suggestion this is not a command for just a select few of us it's not just for pastors it's not just for worship team listen to me the call The command to make disciples is the call to every single born again believer. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are called to make disciples. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion, it's a command from Jesus. Let me say this again. If you are a born-again believer, if you have said yes to Jesus, you've asked him to live in your heart, then every single one of you are called by Jesus to make disciples. Go and make disciples. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Disciples are called to make disciples. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask you in these next few moments, would you be in this room? We thank you for what you're doing today. We thank you for every single one of our lives, what you've given us. Lord, we thank you for what you've been teaching us through this series. My prayer, my heart is that we capture this and get a hold of this. Would you speak to us today? Would you remove any distractions? Would you change our hearts today? Would you change our lives? Would you set us on fire for what you're doing? Give me clarity today. Help me preach your word effectively. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, before I move any further, I want to just acknowledge, um, uh, Christy, I want to acknowledge your family and Monica, your friend, and everybody. Um, Christy Cox this week passed away and um, just suddenly unexpected, and some of your family and friends are here, and we just want you to know that your church family loves you, and we support you, and our hearts go out to all of you. So if you need anything, don't hesitate. We love you guys very, very much, and we're honored and privileged to have you sitting in the seats of our church. And so I just wanted to take that minute and tell you our hearts have been broken for all of you, and we love you, and we're praying for you guys today, all right? Hey, um, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. I want to look at um, the Great Commission. I want to look at the words of Jesus. These are the very last words that Jesus speaks before he ascends to heaven. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 20. And this will kind of be our foundation for today's message. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And look at verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And I think this is one of the areas we miss it, in the church. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of time. If I were to come to the room today, and I were to poll the room, and I were to ask each of you individually, what does it mean to make disciples? Which is the question we're asking here at Destiny Church. What does it mean to make disciples? If I were to ask you, What does it mean to make disciples? What would you say? What would you write down? Or let me even ask it this way. If I were to ask you what does disciple making look like in your life, what would you say? What does disciple making mean to you? This is the question I'm asking our church. This is the question I'm asking myself. This is the question I've spent several weeks even talking to our staff today. How do we make disciples? How do we do this? How do we do more than make people that, that just get saved and go to church? How do we as parents, how do we as churches, how do we as individuals make disciples? And I told you in week one of this series that I felt convicted at my lack of disciple making, and as I was sitting there this week, I felt like the Lord kind of challenged me with that, and, it's like, and I realized maybe I don't necessarily feel a conviction for not making disciples because I do believe I've made disciples, but where I feel convicted in my heart is what I've done is I've prioritized non-disciple making above disciple making. What do I mean by that? I've desired to build a good church, and I've prioritized that even above making disciples. I've I've prioritized, you know, good life groups or good worship or good kids ministry or good student ministry, and all those are good things. I've I've prioritized a good Sunday morning experience. All of that is good, but it's at the cost of prioritizing discipleship. When I look at Scripture, I don't really see anywhere where God really tells me, hey, make a good Sunday morning experience, but I do see where God says, go and make disciples. And what the Lord has convicted me of is, Chad, is not that you don't love me and you don't desire to make disciples, but sometimes you prioritize other things besides making disciples. And that is, I believe, the problem with the church is we've prioritized many other things that are not bad things. But if we do what God says, God tells us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, follow me and we'll build big churches. He doesn't say, follow me and we'll have good worship. He doesn't say, follow me and we'll have good student ministry. He says, follow me and make fishers of men. And that's what we have been called to do, is we've been called to make disciples. We've been called to fish for people. This is priority. This is a command. So let's go back to the question. How do we make disciples? I would say if I asked the church, the majority of us would probably not have too big of an idea. Uh, Invite people to church. Uh, Simply tell them about Jesus. Go to church. Make sure my kids go to church. What would you say as an individual? What would we say as a church? I'm pretty sure some of us say, I don't know. Some of us would say, I'm not sure what a disciple is. And I would have to say, there's probably some of us in the room, if we're honest, we would have to say, Pastor Chad, I've never made a disciple. I've never done this. But what does Jesus tell us to do? Go and make disciples. This is the command, this is the challenge, this is the call from God to the church to go and make disciples. This is a period, end of story, no ifs, no ands, no buts, no options. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and fish for people. And we, if we are honest in the room today, we have to admit that as Christians, as churches, as pastors, as leaders, as family members, we've probably failed at this a little bit, right? We have to be honest here and look at ourselves and assess ourselves and say, have I made disciples? As a parent, have I made disciples? As a Christian... As a believer in Jesus, have I made one disciple? Have I had one person that I've said, hey, come and follow me and so I can teach you how to follow Jesus? That's the command. This is what we have to ask ourselves today. Are we making disciples? Well, Pastor Chad, I've raised good kids. I'm not asking if you've raised good kids, but Pastor Chad, I've served Jesus in my workplace. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking, have we made disciples? Have we taught people how to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Because that's what a disciple is. They follow in the footsteps of Jesus and they teach others to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And I would have to say, we have to acknowledge we've not done a real good job of this. Again, no finger pointing in this whole series. No condemnation, no judgment because I'm pointing it back at myself. This is just a question that I'm bringing to our church because I know beyond the shadow of a doubt this is the call of the church. Not just destiny, but this is the call of the body of Christ right now. Go and make disciples. It is the call. So, but the question is, how do we do this? How do we make disciples? Well, I believe Matthew chapter 28 lays some things out for us. And Matthew 28, 16 through 20, just as I told you just a moment ago, is known as the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, uh, let, let's kind of nerd out for just a moment on you guys. In school, if you know a little bit about me, you know that I hated math. I don't understand what X plus Y equals, never have, never will. And I didn't like science except for dissecting pigs. You know, that was fun. But I always liked English and I always liked history. Those were the two things I liked in school. Well, the Great Commission, the original language, contains only one imperative verb. An imperative verb is a sentence that kind of creates a command. And that command, that sentence would be make disciples. But it's also followed by three participles. Participles are a word which is formed by a verb, going baptizing teaching and from this today I see four components from the Great Commission I see four components of making disciples and again let me say this I'm not telling standing up here today as the expert on this subject I'm learning I'm studying I'm doing everything I can to figure out how do I not only make disciples as a pastor how do I make disciples as an individual? How do we make disciples as people who sit in the seats? This is my challenge. This is my heart. This is what I believe the Lord is asking us right now. This is where I'm putting my effort and energy. So I'm standing up here today not as an expert, I am, but I am standing up here as a, as a studier, as a disciple that's trying to figure this all out. So let me give you four components real quickly of disciple making. The first one that we see in Matthew chapter 28 is you have to share it. You have to share it. You ha- what do I mean? What am I what's it? You have to share the word of God. You have to share the gospel. Jesus, with his very last words on earth, is telling his disciples, I'm leaving you with this mission, this command. Go and share the gospel. Go and tell others the good news. Go and tell others about me. Tell everyone everywhere about me that was the last words of jesus to his disciples and let me be clear i believe that disciple making has two parts i believe there's the going part which is telling which is sharing but i also believe there's another part and we're going to look at that in just a moment and i I, let me just say right now you cannot disciple somebody that believes in jesus Okay, I mean, just tell you, I cannot sit down with a non-believer and disciple them. I don't think that. I can tell them about Jesus, but until they say yes, they can't be a disciple, right? But there's two elements, there's two parts of disciple-making. Number one, I have to share it. And I think this is, if I, if I want to pat the body of Christ on the back in any way, shape, or form, I think one of the things we have done okay, especially through churches, is we've done an okay job of sharing the gospel, We've done an okay job with the evangelism part. Churches across America have sent out people across the globe to evangelize, to tell people about Jesus. I think we've done okay with the going part. And listen, you can't make disciples without first going. You can't make disciples without first telling them about the gospel. But true discipleship, what Jesus is calling us to is both and, going and making, It's both. You have to do both. There has to be an element of going, but there also has to be a part. What we've done in the past as a church is we go and we tell people about Jesus and they say yes to Jesus and we pat them on the butt and say, good luck, keep going. How many of you as parents would ever birth a child and say, hey, you made it, good job, now go raise yourself? We wouldn't do that. That's foolish to even think about, right? But that's what the body of Christ does. We see people come forward and they get saved and they say yes to Jesus or we lead a friend to the Lord and they find Jesus and then we're like, all right, you're on your own. It's not just about telling somebody about Jesus. It's not just about sharing it, but we must also make disciples. So it's both and, all right? But let me ask you guys a question. Who in your life I want you to think about this. I ho- hopefully this series, some of the questions I've asked you have really caused you to reflect. Who in your life are you sharing the gospel with? Who in your life are you telling about Jesus? Those watching online, who in your life are you telling about Jesus? Well, let's ask this even in a bolder way, okay? You ready for this? Who's going to heaven because of you? Who is a follower of Jesus today because you told them about Jesus? Who are you sharing it with? Who are you talking about with Jesus? Romans 10, 14, one of my favorite scriptures on this subject. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? But here's the kicker. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone shares it. Unless someone shares their faith. Unless someone tells them about Jesus. If, how can they hear if we don't pass on the good news? How can they hear if the good news stops with us? How can they hear? Let me ask you a question. If I had a cure for cancer, or if I had a cure for COVID when COVID was at its highest, and I held on to that and said, you know what, I'm going to hold on to this cure for cancer for my family and nobody else, you guys would think I was awful, right? I have a cure to an incurable disease, but I don't want to tell anybody because I just want to make sure that my four and no more have it. You guys would think I was awful, but listen to me. You have something greater than the greatest cure for the most incurable disease in the world. You know how to have an eternity with Jesus. You know how to have your sins forgiven. And oftentimes what we do is we hold it and say, it's this more, this four and no more. And what I'm challenging us with is we have the answer. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. And the good news keeps stopping with us but if we are going to be disciples of Jesus not only do we want to go to church not only do we want to serve but we want to tell others about Jesus we want to share the good news are we getting this we are called as disciples of Jesus to share the good news so I have kind of a a practical challenge for you this week starting this week I want everybody in this room and um I can't command you, but I'm commanding you. All right, I want you to do this. And I want you this week, I want you to take. A, I want you to write down five to ten people that you know that don't know Jesus. I want you to call them your target. And I want you to start praying about these five to ten people that don't know Jesus. And if you tell me, Pastor Chad, I don't know one person that's not saved, then you need to expand your friendship. Okay? I'm just telling you, Jesus ate with sinners. All right? You need to know some people that don't know Jesus. But listen to me, just, just, kind of a, just kind of a nudge in my heart. When you're hanging out with sinners, don't act like sinners. Okay? So if you are a believer and you're like, all right, I want to share my faith, well, then you get, when you get with sinners, don't act like them. Act like Jesus, right? Continue to be a follower of Jesus, whatever audience you're with. All right, so but I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Here's a practical thing this week. I want you to write down five to ten names of people. If you say I know two, then I want you to write down two names of people that you want to know Jesus that don't yet know Jesus. And I want you to start praying over those names every single day. Every day. Lord, I'm praying over this name. Lord, I'm praying over my son. Lord, I'm praying over my co-worker. Lord, I'm praying over my parent. Lord, I'm praying over my fellowship. Whatever that name might be, I want you to pray over those names. I want you to say, Lord, give me give me wisdom. Give me words. Give me opportunities to share my faith with them. But I don't want it to be just some private prayer room closet, you know, pr- private prayer room thing that you do in the closet. I want you to, I want you to this week is, this. you have the incredible opportunity. There's 52 weeks every year, but there's never a better week during the year to invite somebody to church than Easter week. Even the biggest sinners will walk through the church on Easter Sunday. It's like that's their their time where they go and they make it right with Jesus. I just want to encourage you, this week, invite somebody to church. Don't just take those five or ten names, but put those names on a piece of paper, and then, Lord, I'm going to invite these friends to church. Listen to me. I've said this statistic here before, but I just read it again this week. It's been updated. More than 75% of people are in church today because a friend or a relative invited them to church. Who is wanting to come to church and find Jesus, and all they're waiting for is you to invite them. So this week, that is the practical challenge. Let's share it. Let's pray over those five or ten, but let's invite people to church next Sunday, 9 and 1045. It's going to be an incredible Sunday. God's going to change people. Lives are going to be changed. Your friends are going to be saved. God's going to do incredible things, and we're going to celebrate that next week. So this week, I want you to share it. So number one, followers of Jesus, share the word. Number two, we show it. We show it. What do I mean by this? This is a twofold thought here. This is for a new Christian, and this is for those of us who've been sitting in the seats for quite some time. Let me explain to you. And I don't. I don't we don't talk about this. We don't teach about it a whole lot. But showing it starts with baptism. And if you've been saved and you haven't been baptized yet, you're missing out. Do I think you're going to heaven if you haven't been baptized? Yes, I do. I don't believe you have to be baptized to get into heaven. I don't believe that. I'm never going to teach that. But I do believe you're missing out on a huge element of your faith by being baptized in water. So I recommend you get signed up today, April 24th. Sign up for that baptism on that Sunday. Why do I think this is so important? Because this is one of the ways that you show that you are a follower of Jesus. Baptism is one of the ways that we show. Baptism is one of the ways we make a public confession that I am a follower of Jesus. I am signifying that as I go underwater, I am being buried with Christ. When I come out of that water, I'm being raised with Christ. It's significant. It's a testimony. It's a way that we show it. So listen to me. If you've never been baptized and you've been saved for a long time, it's okay. You can still get baptized. Or let's say, I know many of you were baptized and you were Sprinkled with water, I believe true baptism. Just this is what I believe according to Scripture. Baptism is immersion in water; it's not just sprinkling. So, listen. If you say, "Well, I was or I was baptized when I was like six years old, and I just did it because my parents said I probably should," but I've had a new, th- you know, a new walk with the Lord, then I highly recommend getting baptized. This is a way that we show that we are followers of Jesus. But not only do we show it through baptism, but once we go public with our faith, we also want to show others what it means to follow Jesus. We want to show it. We want to model it. When Jesus came and called his disciples, he said, Come and follow me. Now, when Jesus said, Come and follow me, he didn't just mean like, Hey, come to church with me and then go do it. No, he said, Hey, to these disciples, Hey, come live with me. Come walk with me. Come hang out with me. Come dine with me. Come go pray with me. Come study the word with me. Let me teach you. He modeled it. He showed them. He didn't just say, Go and do it. And true disciples take people under their wings and say, Hey, as I follow Jesus, you follow along with me. Let me show you what it means to follow Jesus. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me as I follow Christ. Week one, we looked at it, the little kids game, follow the leader. I thought about making Jeff and Doug get up here and follow me today all over the room, but you can picture what that—what I would have done to these two guys today. I would have made them act crazy on the stage. Why? Because I wanted them to follow the leader. But in essence, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Wherever he walks, you walk. Wherever you go, he goes. And that's what he did with his disciples. He didn't just say, hey, now you've followed me. Go and try to make it up the best you can. No, he said, let me teach you. Let me show you. Let me model to you what it means to follow Jesus. Think of it this way. Imagine that you were to lead this week one of your five to ten people to the Lord. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? Like you write their name down today and tomorrow they come and say, hey, I want to know about this man called Jesus. If you were to lead them to the Lord this week, if they said yes to Jesus, how are they supposed to grow in their faith? Think about this question. Every person that's raised their hand, thats this is where I'm challenged as a church, Okay. This is where I'm challenging the body of Christ. Every person that's ever said yes to Jesus, what have we done to them? Hey, read the book of John. Hey, listen, go, go and grab your phone and get this U Version Bible study app for new converts. And make sure you keep coming to church. And you'll get it. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be more like Jesus if we would set them down and open our Bible up with them and say, Let me show you how I read the Bible? Let me show you how I read the Bible. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to new converts? Wouldn't it be more beneficial to the body of Christ if we sat down with people and said, let me show you what I do when I read the Bible? Let me show you that when I read the Bible, one of the questions I ask is, I just simply slow down. Here's, let me give you three things I do when I read the Bible. I just say, slow down. Like, what is being said? Like, very clearly, like, I just, I don't, I don't try to read the Bible in a year. That's not one of my goals. I try to read the Bible so I can hide it in my heart, because that's what the Word says. Hide it in your heart so you don't sin against Him, right? So I'm trying to figure out what is exactly being said, but number two, I try to figure out not only, I don't just try to slow down and read it so I can understand it, but what is, what is meant to the original audience, Listen to me, every story in the Bible, you can't sit there and say, well, this is exactly what it means to me. No, sometimes we have to say, what is it meaning to the original audience? And one of the things I try to do is I try to figure out who are the people in the story? Where's the story happening? What's happening culturally? What's happening spiritually? Like, Look at these things, Like, look through the word and try to get an understanding of it. Listen to me, the American church, I have studies of this, the American church is biblically illiterate because the church and parents and moms and dads, we haven't taught people, we haven't showed them how to read the word. We need to sit down and show people how to read the word. So I say, what's, it, what's being said? What's meant by what was said? And I look at culture, I look at spiritual things, I look at time, I look at place, I look at events. But then the very last thing I try to do is then I try to say, "Well, now what's it being said to me? What's being said to me? In other words, you want to show people how to study the word. You want to show them. What about prayer? How are you going to teach somebody how to pray? Hey, go to church. Hey, listen to Pastor Chad's sermon series on prayer. Hey, listen to this podcast on prayer. Or you could invite them into your prayer time and say, hey, let's pray together. Hey, what's God saying to us together? But Pastor Chad, if I say I want to teach somebody how to read the Bible, or if I want to teach somebody how to pray, I have to learn how to read the Bible. I have to learn how to pray. Ding, ding, ding. This is the way God designed it. Follow me as I follow Christ. You grow, I grow. I grow You grow, you grow, they grow. Listen to me, we can't lead somebody where we haven't been. This is how God designed it. We show people, we disciple people, we iron sharpens iron, right? This is how we do it. How do we make disciples? We share it, we show it, number two. Number three, we teach it. Ezra, one of our key verses in this series, Ezra studied the word, he obeyed the word, and he taught the word. Making disciples simply means we teach people to study the word so they can live out the word, so they can teach others the word. And the process continues. Listen to me. The process continues. Don't let the process stop with you. Don't be the place where it stops. Matthew 28, 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I have given you. Listen, when we say, when I say teach it, when the Great Commission says teach it, it's not simply talking about the stage. That is an element of it. But I believe these words point directly to places like Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says, and you must think constantly about these commandments I'm giving you today, and you must. Teach them to your children, and you must talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk at bedtime or the first thing in the morning. Tie them on your finger, wear them on your forehead, and write them on the doorsteps of your house. What's Jesus saying to us? What's the Great Commission saying to us? It's not simply saying stand on a stage, but it's saying sit down and show them and teach them the Word. Teach them what the Word of God is saying. Pass on what God has taught you to others. Mom and dads in the room, if you don't get any anything else out of this message or anything else out of this series, listen to me, you desperately desperately, desperately need to be teaching your kids the word of God. You desperately need to be hiding the word of God in your kids' hearts. The enemy is out to kill them. He's out to destroy them. He's out to take their hearts. He's out to take their allegiance. He wants to be the Lord of their life, but you must hide the word in their heart because the Bible tells us we must be wise to the enemy's schemes and his tricks and his ploys. And mom and dad, we cannot be wise to his tricks. We can't cannot be wise to his schemes, his ideas, and his strategies if we're not hiding the word of God in our heart. So mom and dad, what I'm challenging us with today is don't just bring your kids to church and assume that they're getting the word of God in them. Teach your kids the word. Teach your family the word. Teach your friends the word. Teach your coworkers the word. Teach your neighbors the word. Teach them what God is saying to you. When God gives you something fresh, don't just hold on to it for yourself because that's not what a disciple does a disciple doesn't say whoo that was good for me no they get it and they share it and they show it and they teach it are we getting this today listen to me i want to i read this statistic this week and some of you maybe saw this on social media but i want you to hear this 75 percent of people between the ages of 18 and 29 are leaving the church 75% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 are leaving the church. And one of the biggest reasons they're leaving the church, I want you to hear me, is they don't have a strong biblical foundation. If you're not hiding the word in your heart, if you're not putting, listen to me, you know, I don't have my phone up there, but we're real good at putting a phone in our kids' hands and saying, play this video game. We're real good at putting them in front of a TV and handing them a remote and saying, play football. We're real good at going to the store and buying them a football. We're real good at putting them in dance recital. We're good at those things. But are we putting the word of God in our kids? Are we hiding this book right here? that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Are we hiding this? And why are our kids running from God? Why are they running from the church? Why is the church overall shrinking in numbers? I believe it's because we become biblically illiterate and we don't understand what the enemy is out to do. And so mom and dad, and yes, it's the church's responsibility. Yes, we're gonna continue to teach the word. And yes, we're gonna teach the word in kids. And yes, we're gonna teach the word in youth. And yes, we're gonna teach the word in, in life groups and all of that, but mom and dad, it starts with you. Hide the word of God in your kids' hearts. We're failing at this, mom and dad, yet we've been called by God. Our highest priority is to go and make disciples. And number four, and I close, we're also called to serve the world. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations. You know what this means? When it says all nations, it's not just talking about missions. It's talking about people groups. Every color, every race, every faith, every political background, Enemies, non enemies, friends, families, tell everyone about Jesus. Acts 1 8, a parallel account of the Great Commission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses. Again, the call to go, telling people about me everywhere Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the call to serve the world. Listen to me. I close with this. Our call is bigger than my family, our call is bigger than your family. Our call is bigger than this church. Our call is bigger than Republic. Our call is bigger than Marshfield. Our call is bigger than Springfield or Christian County or Greene County or Lawrence County. Our call is to serve the world. That's why we do things as simple as the Easter egg hunt yesterday where we partnered with our city. It's why every third Tuesday here at Republic, we serve people food. It's why every second Friday in Marshfield, we serve people food. That's why we've literally spent hundreds of thousands of our dollars as a church in 16 years we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on serving our community and serving our world why it's because what we're called to we're called to serve it's why we go to africa it's why we call are called to plant churches it's we're not supposed to just plant two we have been called to this we are called to serve our world and our ultimate aim as believers is should be lord here i am use me Wherever you want me, however you want me, whatever you want to do in me and through me, wherever you want me to go, I'm willing, I'm able, I just want to be a disciple. I simply want to follow you. And I close with this incredible promise that comes to us from Mark chapter 16. Listen to this, and then we're going to pray. Listen to Mark chapter 16. Again, part of the Great Commission says it in a different way, but listen. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Creation, But listen to verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but who has, does not believe will be condemned. But listen, and these signs, what, what am I telling you this for? I believe the Lord is telling me that we're getting ready as we become disciples, we will see the hand of God move in our church. This is all about the kingdom. When we follow kingdom principles and kingdom strategies, we will see kingdom manifestations. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. And if they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. And if they lay hands on sick people, they will get well. I believe as we become disciples who follow Jesus and look like Jesus and act like Jesus and walk in his footsteps, we will walk up to sick people and lay our hands on them and they will be healed. Not by my might, not by your power, but by him. By what he does. Because it's according to his word. So Destiny Church, who's with me? Who's in? Let's do this. Let's, let's share it. Let's show it. Let's teach it, and let's serve our world. Let's pray. Jesus, I come before you today and ask you in these next few moments, would you be in this room today? Lord, we just want to make a commitment and a dedication today that we're going to do this, we're going all in for you. I'm reminded of the sermon series we did a year or two ago where we talked about being on mission always. Today we want to be on mission. We want to go all in for you.